This is a recap of the Evergreen Christian Church Bible study. Uh, this Bible study was held on Tuesday, uh, March 16th, and we went over the first part of Luke 17, which I will read now. Jesus said to his disciples, things that cause people to stumble are bound to come, but woe to anyone through whom they come. It would be better for them to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around their neck than to cause one of these little ones to stumble. So watch yourselves. If your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them, and if they repent, forgive them. Even if they sin against you seven times in a day and seven times come back to you saying, I repent, you must forgive them. The apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. And he replied, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea. And it will obey you. Suppose one of you has a servant plowing or looking after the sheep. Will he say to the servant when he comes in from the field, come along now and sit down to eat? Won't he rather say, prepare my supper, Get yourself ready and wait on me while I eat and drink. After that, you may eat and drink. Will he thank the servant because he did what he was told to do? So you also, when you have done everything you were told to do, should say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done our duty. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, We're not all ten cleansed. Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Rise and go. Your faith has made you well. It's the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I kind of broke this into three parts. The first part I labeled how to deal faithfully with others. Hi, buddy. So Jesus reminds us, reminds the disciples, that stumbling blocks will happen. I think this can mean stumbling blocks in life, such as sudden illness or tragedy or heartache, or stumbling blocks in our faith, feeling disconnected from God, feeling like we don't have enough faith, struggling with faith because of tragedy or having a stagnation in our spiritual journey. And I don't think these things are disconnected. Jesus reminds the disciples that these things will happen. But we should not be the cause of stumbling for somebody else. That it's worse for us to cause stumbling for somebody else than it is for us to stumble ourselves. And I think there are many ways we personally can cause others to stumble, um, knowingly or unknowingly. Excluding people from the church, intentionally and willfully causing 
financial or physical or spiritual harm to another person, restricting certain people or groups of people from positions of leadership and authority. And our words can even unknowingly cause folks to stumble. Dead naming people, misgendering people, um, this can have effects well beyond what we're aware of in the moment. Cause people to stumble in many different ways. Can make the church and the faith inaccessible. Things of that nature. And there are also many ways we systemically or as a society cause people to stumble. Like laws that restrict access to civil life together, like redlining or voter law discrimination, uh, laws that are mostly enforced against certain groups of people, not paying, um, not paying people enough to live. So they have to always work and never take a Sabbath, for instance. Um, I think it gets attributed to MLK Jr. I'm not sure where this quote is from. It's in the Howard Thurman book, Jesus and the Disinherited. Um, it says that Sunday morning is one of the most segregated times in America. And a lot of that is because of the societal ways we segregate and disadvantage people, uh, then reflect into our spiritual and church lives. So Jesus condemns causing others to stumble. But right after says we have to have grace with one another. We're not to abide sin, we're to rebuke it. But we'll also have grace with one another. He says to do it seven times if your neighbor comes seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive them seven times. And the number seven is significant in that it often signifies something. Uh, God made the world in seven days. Seven encompasses uh, the four corners of the earth and the Holy Trinity together. Um, there are seven last sayings by Christ on the cross. Uh, seven has special significance in the book of Revelations. Uh, I think the Passover feast is seven days. <clears throat> so this number signifies a kind of holiness or completeness. So Jesus' instruction is to give to completeness. And we know that God's grace covers us in completeness, and we are to emulate that. But there's, um, there's a significant difference here. One of the focuses of the Gospel of Luke is repentance. And we've seen Jesus give more detailed uh, examples of repentance in the Gospel. But the instruction for the disciples when dealing with each other is not to forgive without condition, which is something that God does but is to forgive when a repentant brother or sister, a repentant uh, community member comes to us and asks for forgiveness. Repentance means turning away. So a full account of reconciliation means confession, admitting that we've done wrong, admitting to ourselves, to God, and to the person we did wrong against. And repenting, meaning turning away from that wrongdoing, which means that we will have to have some form of reparations, some form of bridging and repairing the damage that has been done, 
We have to turn away in our actions and then we can be forgiven. So this morning that we should not be stumbling blocks to others also means that when somebody is truly repentant and truly done the work of repentance, we should not be a stumbling block to reconciliation. There's a lot more to be said about this, about when forgiveness can actually be tendered, um, what kind of reparations are enough, uh, how to know if somebody is truly repentant and turned away. Um, I know theologians take heart in the fact that we have already been forgiven by God. And that gives us the groundwork and the ability to spur us forward to seeking forgiveness from others. But it's a reminder that we should not be a stumbling block to reconciliation. The next section I titled The Faithful Servant. There's that saying about the faith of a mustard seed, that a little faith goes a long way. And so the disciples ask for more faith before this saying. And I think this response, this saying, is Jesus saying, a little faith is enough faith. You do not need more than a little faith because a little faith is enough. It's enough to do great things. But then there's also, comes paired with this, um, this kind of saying that the reward for faith um, the reward for work comes after the work is done. Um, after the master has eaten, then the servant eats. So it's kind of this, do these things not because you expect to be rewarded. And maybe the disciples expected to be rewarded with more faith. But do not do these things because you expect to be rewarded, but rather do them to do them. Do them because it's what's expected of you. And this also reminds me of that instruction in Matthew 6, to not announce your giving and your faithfulness with trumpets and a flourish. When you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Uh, to just do the work. To not expect to be rewarded or noticed for it. There will be a reward in the end. Uh, and the act itself is a reward. But to not do it for the expectation of recognition or an award. And that even with a little faith, great things can be done. In the last section I titled The Lepers. Jesus heals the ten lepers, which is in itself a miracle. Uh, lepers were feared to be highly contagious at this time. We know differently now. But they were feared to be highly contagious. And so often they were outcasts living outside of major cities, outside of civilizations, sometimes in very deplorable um, conditions, like in garbage dumps. And so uh, for Jesus to meet with them and heal them is itself something radical. Uh, it says he stands at a distance, and I think we all know a little bit about that. Um, and then he tells them to go to the priests, which, sorry, Duke bumped the tripod. He tells them to go to the priests, which in itself would have been an act of faith to go into, uh, presumably the priests are in or near the temple, to go into this um, very holy place where a lot of 
Rituals of cleanliness are enacted in order to be into this place. To go to the priests, to go into civilization, would have been an act of faith and not something that these lepers would have been normally permitted to do. And so they all go to the priests. Um, and then if we think about the, the um, Good Samaritan, the priest passes over the person that is lying on the ground, presumably because they think they are dead and they do not want to defile themselves of their ritual cleanliness. These are the same kind of stakes, I believe, with the lepers going to the priest. So the ten go. <coughs> the nine are healed and leave. The one is healed and comes back. There's no revocation of the healing for the nine who did not come back. Um, their, their faith has cured their leprosy. Even a little faith was enough. But for the one who did come back, they're told that their faith has made them well. And this serves kind of a dual purpose. Coming to Christ out of faith has cured their leprosy. Going to the priest out of faith has cured their leprosy. And coming back to Christ has made them well in a kind of translated sense of has saved him. There's a special emphasis here uh, that is throughout the Gospel of Luke that Jesus' ministry is extending beyond the bounds of the Jews or Judea or Israel. Uh, this would have been shocking for the reader of the time, uh, shocking to see Jesus do this, to associate with people outside of his uh, cultural religious belonging and also for the one person outside that belonging to come back and to recognize Jesus fully. Uh, it would not be expected that the Samaritan was the faithful one. And so this foreigner in a lot of different ways is the faithful one and Jesus' ministry extends beyond the geographic, religious, and cultural boundaries that one would have thought that it would. So for us today, I think this means that we are to prevent ourselves from personally or collectively becoming stumbling blocks for others, for causing others to sin or to distance themselves from God. We're to extend infinite grace to those who are truly repentant, we're not to be stumbling blocks to reconciliation, but we are also not to extend cheap grace. We cannot forgive in the same way that God forgives, but we're to attempt a similarly complete kind of grace. That a little faith goes a long way. We're reminded to be humble in our faith, that we should be faithful just to be faithful and not expect reward for it that our faith makes us well, and that our ministry expands beyond just us. And we may be surprised by the faithful witness of those beyond and outside of our belongings. So I'm going to read the scripture again, and I want you to think on these questions. Is there a word, phrase, or sentiment that stands out to you? Jesus condemns people who cause others to stumble. Think about your life. Are there ways in which you make others stumble, knowingly or unknowingly? In what ways does our society or our church cause people to stumble?
with Jesus' condemnation, he also immediately tells the disciples they must forgive one another. Are there places where you need to seek forgiveness? Are there places where you need to forgive? Luke 17. Jesus said to his disciples, things that cause people to stumble are bound to come, but woe to anyone through whom they come. It would be better for them to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around their neck than to cause one of these little ones to stumble. So watch yourselves. If your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. And if they repent, forgive them. Even if they sin against you seven times in a day and seven times come back to you saying, I repent, you must forgive them. The apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. He replied, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it will obey you. Suppose one of you has a servant plowing or looking after the sheep. Will he say to the servant when he comes back in from the field, come along now and sit down and eat? Won't he rather say, prepare my supper, get yourself ready and wait on me while I eat and drink? After that, you may eat and drink. Will he thank the servant because he did what was told? So you also, when you have done everything you were told to do, should say, we are unworthy servants. We have done our duty. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And as he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. He was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. It's the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen.